And everybody said, amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's make our confession this morning. Yeah, give God praise. He's a good God. <laughs> Hallelujah. I encourage all of you to uh, do what Kelly said. You know, if you're in a place of imprisonment, captivity, anxiousness, depression, um, I'm not against medication. I took medication for a long time in my life when I was in that situation. Didn't help me a bit. What helped me was when I got by beside that keyboard, began to sing and worship and wait on God. Everybody say, wait on God. And everything changed. Everything changed because this work that God does is from the inside out, not the outside in. So I encourage all of you for, for 2021, make sure that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know, that you are talking and hearing from God and not man. And I believe we're going to see that. We're going to need that more than more. But uh, let's make our confession. I am here on purpose. Everybody together. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me. And I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> I'm just going to need to get a drink here for a second. We're going to be turning to Acts chapter 9 if you want to go there. And we're going to talk about getting um, a new start. But next week I really feel like I have a word that God's given me for 2021. Um, what the world's doing has nothing to do with what we are doing. Would you say that with me? What the world's doing has nothing to do with what I'm doing. You know, we make our choices based on what we believe. And when we believe that God has a plan and a purpose and a destiny for our life, no uh, weapon formed against us will prosper. And it says every tongue that rises up against us, everything that rises against us, we condemn. We stop it by the power of God. And so as we go forward in 2021, uh, I don't believe that the church was necessarily ready for COVID uh, because I saw a lot of the church in fear, in doubt, uh, hiding, uh, you know, uh, upset, concerned, anxious, worried. Well, that's what the world was doing. And that's not what we're called to do. Everybody say that's not what we're called to do. And we have been given by God not a, not a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Now, those things only happen when we stay in the spirit and we don't get into the flesh. And uh, my husband and I both had COVID. Those of you that are watching today, we welcome you. Uh, many of you in here may have had COVID. Many had COVID with different degrees of challenges. Um, and some people lost their lives to COVID. Some people had a lot of other issues, and they lost their lives to COVID. Um, I believe we live in a world where there's birth and death every day. The important thing is that we know where we're going. If the church doesn't do their job, people are going to be dying without Jesus. That is a far greater disaster than any numbers that they're putting up concerning COVID. The number of people who miss heaven because they didn't know Jesus. And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so this is a season for the church to rise, to
to become all we're called to be because our commission, our great commission, is that we introduce people to Jesus and the goodness of God. Everybody say the goodness of God. That's why I believe the good news is what we need to talk about and not all the news that we see going on around us. Uh, today, the good news is you can start over. And uh, I'm always glad for New Year's. Uh, I've made a lot of New Year's resolutions in the past. I don't make those anymore. I just keep my focus on what God told me to do. And they seem to last longer than my New Year's resolutions. The things God told me to do, and as I do them, they seem to be uh, better than the things that I prayed for. I remember Brother Copeland once said he, he lost, I forget how many hundreds of pounds over his life trying to lose weight. And uh, he said, finally, God spoke to him one day and said, you need to get rid of a spirit of gluttony and you'll be fine. He said, I wasted all that time trying to lose weight. All I had to do was bind the spirit of gluttony over my life and begin to follow what God told me to do every day. And he did it, and he totally, still going strong at 80-something, preaching the gospel. Because he did what God told him to do. Everybody say what he told him to do. What's God telling you to do? You can start over at any point in your life. And Paul certainly, um, you know, he didn't have any credentials to become what he became. But, uh, in fact, he had a lot of credentials to say he shouldn't be what he became. And that may be you today, you know. And, and I want to encourage you and those that are watching. It's in, this is the story of uh, Saul who becomes Paul. Paul is the name that, that he was given once he was uh, saved and knew Jesus. It says, then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found anyone, any who were in the way, which was followers of Christ, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, this doesn't seem like somebody that God would be looking for. Somebody that God would be looking for to use for his glory. I mean, this man is breathing threats and murder against the disciples and looking for a way to put the Christians in bondage. Now, I don't, I'm just going to give you this name, not that I believe she's trying to put Christians in bondage, but if she has her way, it would put Christians in bondage, is Nancy Pelosi. How many of you believe she could find Jesus tomorrow? She could. She could fall flat on her face. God could do something, and that woman's life could be forever changed. Forever changed. Now, how many of us as Christians are thinking, God, do something with her? And it isn't get her saved. Amen? Say, that's not our commission. Our commission is to pray she gets saved. Because you don't know her credentials. You don't, I don't know Lisa's credentials. I, I don't know Dan's full potential. I don't know anything. You know, I'm trying to figure out mine. Because I'm going to keep going strong till I see Jesus. Uh, but, but all of us have credentials that God knows about. And you think some of those things you've been doing for the last whatever, uh, maybe it's just been two years and you feel like it's been 20. Those things may be producing credentials for your future. I want to read to you. This is from the Leadership Bible. Saul of Tarsus began his journey to becoming Paul the Apostle on the road to Damascus, which we're going to read in a minute. God knew Saul was perfectly suited for the task. So far, his reputation is he persecutes and 
watches Christians be killed. He just, in the previous couple chapters, watched Stephen be killed and was right there the entire time and came away from that ready to continue doing what had been done against Christians. Persecution. Everybody say persecution. But, you know, that plan failed because that death of Stephen scattered Christians everywhere, and the message just went further than it did before. Everybody say, the devil is not too bright. He, he is deceiver, and he can get people to do wrong things. But every time, his plan will fail if we do what God says. And so, this is, this is God. Knew Saul was perfectly suited for the task. First, Paul or Saul was a Hebrew and a Pharisee. No one could accuse him of indifference or failure to set a standard. He was knowledgeable. He had been trained by the best. He had studied under Gamaliel, so no Jew would consider him ignorant of the scriptures. He grew up in Tarsus, which gave him his Roman citizenship. Some of you may think, I don't know why I had to move there. Well, maybe there was a purpose. Maybe that was part of your destiny. And it says, and acquainted him with the ways of the world. He was an articulate communicator. He communicated how to throw people in prison. That made him an articulate communicator, which made him perfect to write nearly two-thirds of the New Testament. Everybody say credentials. See, the things that you have in you may, may not seem much to you, but, but God sees them. And he's looking for you. He's got a perfect opportunity for you, just like he had for, for us all. And it goes on and it says, he hotly pursued righteousness, a passion that helped him reach Asia Minor. His passion to do what he thought was right caused him to do wrong things. But once he knew Jesus and the righteousness of God gave him the credibility to do the right thing. God appoints specific leaders to fulfill a mission. He doesn't hold a popular vote. How many of you have ever thought, well, I think that person would do a much better job? Or maybe you thought, I think I could do a much better job. Well, God may not think your credentials are for that job, at least not at that time. But the enemy will use that to discourage you from what God is saying to do. All those things that happened in Saul's life made him a candidate for what God was calling him to do ultimately. That's why God intervened in his life on the road to Damascus, because he was ready. Everybody say he was ready. He, had, he was prepared. God saw Saul's qualities and called him to both follow Jesus and lead men. Everybody say, that's what I'm supposed to do. We're supposed to follow Jesus, and we're supposed to lead men, lead others. Well, as, as Saul's journeying to Damascus, suddenly a light shone around him from heaven, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You know, when people persecute you or a Christian, they're persecuting Jesus. It hurts Jesus when Christians are persecuted. He can identify with our weaknesses. The Bible says so. And he said, who are you, Lord? Lord, then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. 
God already had the plan. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul rose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, neither ate nor drank. He was on a fast, waiting. Everybody say waiting to hear from the Lord who had stopped him on that road. Now, here's another player, Ananias. Um, now, there was a certain disciple in, named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord, the servant of the Lord. I, here I am. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the st street called Straight. Inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. A lot of people would stop listening right then. Because they remember the one that's breathing threats and murdering people. But he didn't. It says, he, and in the vision, he saw a man named, uh, wait a minute, to inquire at the house of Judas, of one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. <laughs> so God knows that Paul is now praying. Saul is now praying. <laughs> what has happened to me? Have any of you ever felt that way? <laughs> okay, Lord, what has happened? Uh, and then, and he goes on and says, and in a vision, he's telling this Ananias what's going on. And in a vision, he has seen a man. He has seen a man named Ananias, even gave the name. Do you realize how wonderful this is? You know, when you talk about prophecy, this is, this is an encounter with God where God has arranged someone who follows him to intervene in a person's life who threatens and kills people. And he has to go and talk to him. But he tells him, he's looking for you. So it's going to have to be you. And so Ananias enters, Lord, I have heard from many about this man. He's going to explain to the Lord why he probably shouldn't go. How much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority. Here he has authority from the high priest, the chief priest, to bind all who call on your name. So he is putting his life in jeopardy to obey the things of God. Hey, next week, could some of you over here sit over here? Because the ship is really sinking. <laughs> and, and I feel like I exclude these people because, there's you know, I keep going this direction. So I'm going to preach over here for a minute. And, but the Lord said, go. He said, go. Everybody say, he said, go. For he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and children of Israel. That is a little bit different report than above here where it says Saul still threatening, breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. This is a little bit different uh, take on who he is. For I will show him many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way, entered the house, and laying his hands on him, on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, everybody say immediately. That suddenly that Kelly talked about, there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once. He arose and was baptized. All in one deal. Everybody say, it's possible to change and start over. 
That's exactly what he did. He changed that moment when Ananias laid hands on him. And he was, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. His eyes, it says scales fell off. You know, that means everything I think that blinded him to the truth was washed away. And he saw the truth. And he began to do the things that he was called to do, to be baptized. And it also says in the next verse, uh, so when, Saul, when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately, immediately, everybody say immediately. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogue that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem? I mean, they're, they're in awe. They're, they're surprised. They're, they're shocked that this man, this is the same man who, like last week, was breathing threats and murder against disciples, and he's now using the very name, Jesus, that was the name that he persecuted. That quick. Everybody say that quick. See, there's hope for all of us. We can change and become something that God has called us to be very quickly and has come here for the purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priest. They think he's being deceptive. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night, led him down through the wall in a large basket. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. Even the believers were questioning this situation. I tell you, God does amazing things. And he doesn't consult people about who to choose, and neither should we. What's coming, what's coming is going to be a surprise to many. You know, um, I remember I was with Pastor Sharon Doherty in, T in Tulsa. We were on a trip, and uh, she said something, and, and somebody said, well, I wouldn't have anybody with a tattoo. I would not have anybody with a tattoo on my team. She said, well, then you're not going to have much of a team with these young people. I'm not for tattoos, but I'm not the one choosing who's the next Paul, who's the next leader, who's the next one that's going to walk into a room with anointing so strong on their life that every single person, teenager, adult, little child, will fall under the power of God. That's not my decision, and it's certainly not based on flesh. It's based on the Spirit of God. Saul had no credentials in the natural to become the man who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, which we quote and which we speak, and that word works because it's God's word, because he heard it. Now, there is one part in Galatians chapter 1 where, um, where he, he had to correct the church, and he even got into it with Peter at one point over uh, grace and the law. He was a man that believed in the new covenant. Everybody say the new covenant. Why? Because he experienced it on that road to Damascus. I mean, the, he was a, a great perpetrator when it came to the law. But grace was a whole new thing to him. It's a whole new thing to Christians, I believe. Because sometimes we look at things based on law in our brain 
rather than grace. But God, God is a God of grace. And so when he was in a situation, um, I want to read uh, verse 6. And then I'm going to read, um, um, he, he's speaking to the church, um, the Galatians, and he says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to perverse, pervert the gospel of Christ. We have that going on right now. There are people who have known Jesus and walked in the things of God, and they have turned. They have let go. Uh, persecution causes people to let go. Disappointment causes people to let go. Uh, fear causes people to let go. And so the enemy has pulled out all of his tools right now against the church of Jesus Christ because he knows where the power is. The world can't help themselves, but the church can help the world. So what he's trying to do is lock up the church, lock up the people who have the power, the anointing on the inside of them from Jesus to be able to do something about it. Everybody say, good news. We can start over. If we've missed it, we need to start over. Amen? It's never over with Jesus. It's not over till it's over, and it's not a fat lady who's going to sing. It's a trumpet that's going to sound, and we'll go up in the rapture, or we will die. We're already dead. We live forever. This, this house that carries me around, listen. Well, I'm not going to get into it. It ages. Things aren't where they used to be. But what's in my heart has not changed one bit. 45 years I'll be saved in January 22nd. And I am not stopping. If anything, I am ready for more. Amen? But we are going to have to get a grip here. Uh, big grip, church, church out there, church here, and get on with it and get this thing brought to a conclusion. I don't think God's waiting to come here. I think he's waiting on us to build that church that he's coming for. And I believe he's coming for us. I believe he'll come on time. All right, let's, let's look at verse 11. It says, um, but I made known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to men. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it. But it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation. He was better at it than some of the contemporaries that he ran with. And he says, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Everybody say the law. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son to me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately, I did not immediately, I did not immediately, confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. In other words, he had to hear from God because what he would hear from man may stop him from what he heard from God as a baby, as a new Christian, as someone just learning the things of God. 
That exactly happened in my life. I was saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, a tongue-talking Christian, and God took me to Tulsa for a year and said, sit here and learn from me, from me. I, I cried all the time because I, I didn't have anybody but me and three kids. And, you know, kids, they're, they're takers, not givers usually when they're 7, 9, 11. <laughs> I mean, you know, they, I mean, they'd give me a hug and a kiss goodnight, but, you know, they, they needed things. I was their parent. And so I had only God to look to. But in that time, Jesus became more real to me than anybody ever will be, ever. You know, uh, when this morning I came in, I said, Lord, I don't even think I can sing that song anymore. He said, I didn't ask if you could sing it. I told you to sing it. <laughs> oh, God, here we go. And, you know, I used to get my sister to do stuff, and the Lord showed me, you don't get her anymore. And I even was disobedient this morning, and I asked God to forgive me before I came up here. He said, I want you to play it by yourself. I don't want anybody up there but you. I thought, well, that's selfish. You know, they all sing. They'll feel bad if I have them go off. You can reason away the things of God so fast, and you lose. You lose the anointing. I took my ear thing out because I wasn't going to do it. <laughs> I thought, well, I'll do it later. But he wouldn't leave me alone <laughs> at my piano. So I had to do it. Jesus loves us so much. He loves all of you so much that he makes me sing when I really don't want to. <laughs> but it's because it's his presence. It's his presence. And you can't consult with flesh and blood, people. You have to stop it. Flesh and blood will never lead you where God wants you to go. He won't. He, the devil can use anybody. He can use me on a bad day. You might come and tell me your dream, and I think, oh, dear God, not them. No, I wouldn't say that, but I might think it. I'm not even allowed to think it. I have to think, okay, all right. Well, I'll, I'll agree with you. Let's believe. Because I'm not going to say to somebody, you didn't hear God. But I know a lot of people who don't mind telling me they, I didn't hear from God along the way over the last 45 years. But I did. I did. Sometimes I didn't. But most of the time, I did. <laughs> and it gave me confidence. And even if I screw up, that's probably not a nice word in church, but if I do, which I've done, he, he rescues me. He rescues me. It's time to start over. You know, in Luke 5, it talks about old wine and new wine. You, you're not going to be able to carry 2020 to 2021. That's what God told me. You can't do it, Pam. you got to let it go. There's things I, I still try to hang on to sometimes. And uh, God will say, if, if you do that, I'm not going to be able to do what I want to do. So you have to let it go. Everybody say, let it go. You just can't take it with you. Uh, for those of you who wondered, that was my the father of my children who died this last Sunday. And, uh, you know, I have prayed for him. Bill and I both have prayed for the people we were married to that are the parents, the other parents of our children. You know, some people spend so much time after divorce hating each other and bringing such strife and dissension. I wasn't even going to say this today, but I believe there may be many out there. You got you to get over it. 
you have to pray, find a good thing about him. He always paid support for my kids. He always made sure they had a college education. He made sure of that. The other things that happened in our lives, I know who did that, the devil. So I don't hold anything. It's time to get over that. You cannot start over till you let it go. You let it go. If you want to get over it, pray over them. That'll get you over it. And I don't mean get them, God. <laughs> or destroy their life or ruin whatever they're, I mean pray earnestly. Because that brings healing to you and it brings healing to them. I'm really helping you today if you've been divorced. You've got to let it go. You can't put new wine in old wineskins. That scripture Jesus was talking about, the old law in the new covenant. You can't bring it in. Jesus fulfilled the old law. It has been completed. You know, it's done. It's all done. Um, you know, I just felt today to talk about my daddy. Um, you know, my, my daughter-in-law gave me this necklace, and on the front of it, it's got John and Lou. Got my parents' name. On one side, it says, um, always on my mind. The other side says, forever in my heart. Uh, and I wasn't planning on talking about my dad till I got up this morning, and I felt like God told me he started over. My dad started over so many times. <laughs> and uh, when we were young, he started over. Uh, he had a, worked at a, a mule house in Zinvaldensport, which was a tool and die company. He was a tool and die maker. And um, we didn't ever have a, a lot, but we were very happy, very happy. I mean, on Sundays, in the beginning, he'd get my grandpa's car, and we'd all go for a ride. And uh, that was always really a big deal. I think that's why today I say to Pastor Bill, let's go for a ride. Uh, when I go for a ride, I feel like everything's okay. I think it must be from back when he would take us a ride on Sundays. He was a really good dad, but he worked really hard. He worked day and night. He didn't just work the daytime. He worked at night because in, uh, after about 11 years at Mulehausen's, we were young. We were probably, Chris and I may be late grade school, early middle school. And uh, we ha I have a brother eight years younger and then a sister 16 years younger. Uh, Daddy just said, I'm going to start my own business. And uh, he had a friend. His friend wanted to start a donut shop. <laughs> so Daddy gave him $500 to help him start his donut shop. And then when Daddy wanted to start the tool and die place, he gave Daddy $500 to start the tool and die place. You know, back in that day, your friends were your best friends. I mean, you're, they were people who helped each other. I don't know where that world went, but we can live that in a church because that's the way God told us to be. But uh, he started that, that tool and die shop. Well, it was across the street from our house in my cousin's garage. And so he'd work all day. He'd come home for lunch and go back, and then he'd work at night. And he did that all through our school, all through our schooling, uh, in order to make that business work. And then he decided to start over again, and he got into plastics injection molding which is, it was the very beginnings of it. And so daddy started another business. And so now he's gone all the time. But we never felt like daddy didn't take care of us. I mean, or he wasn't with us because when he was with us, he was with us. He's always home at lunch, came home for dinner and came home when Chris and I got in trouble. <laughs> because mother would call him. It was so, that was the only bad thing about him working so close. Because he, she'd call him up and say, these girls. <laughs> Here he'd come across the street. Of course, Chris and I went on our best behavior when he arrived. And we just said, we don't know what's the matter with her. She's been upset all day. She's just been upset all day. <laughs> and when she got pregnant from my, my baby sister, 
Uh, we got her so upset one time, she took a broom and knocked all of her good antique dishes right off the wall. Because we went on a, we decided we weren't going to do the dishes that night. And went on a strike. Well, Daddy did not like that one. That was too much. We got in real bad trouble. But Daddy would come home and take care of anything that needed to be taken care of. So he always was the provider, the leader, the protector. He was all those things for our family. And uh, about 50, when he was about 50, uh, my son John was five years old. We lived down here. And uh, my cousins opened a, a clothing store, Five Point Bargains. And at 50, my mother said she really didn't want to live in Logansport anymore. And my dad, who had always been a tool and die maker, a plastic in, uh, injection molding person, because he loved my mom, he said, she said, I want to start a shoe store. And he said, oh, okay. So daddy left everything, sold everything at 50 years old, and came to Lafayette and started a shoe store with my mom. My sister Chris worked in there. You may have seen their commercials. That was not me. That's her and the tutu and tap shoes. Uh, you know, it was, it, was a f it, it, it was a very good business. I mean, it was very prosperous. I know my daddy was not excited about the shoe store. In fact, one day a lady came in and said to him, these shoes, these shoes are not what, they, what they're supposed to be. They, look at them. And he said, well, you're a little heavy for those shoes. <laughs> well, my mother and Chris told him he needed to retire. His days were over. <laughs> and so daddy retired. But, and, and Chris and mother took over. And, uh, but, you know, he, he, he was the most willing person to make a change if he felt it would be better for his family. And he didn't question it. Uh, I know when we came to start the church, he got a new profession. It was the church. You know, he helped when we built, we took over the basement. He came and did that. And he always prayed for the church. And he, you know, he, he said, I just, I just want to be alive when you get a building. Well, he's in heaven cheering us on, I know. But the thing that, that I want to share today is you're never too old to start over. You're never too young to start over. He started over when we were little, little, tiny little people in the family. He started over when we were teenagers. He started over again when my sister Lisa was a teenager and we were all married and grown. He would start over because my dad knew Jesus. He knew the Lord. And he loved his family. So he did what he felt in his heart to do. And God prospered him. When my mother died this year, my mom, this is the first Christmas without her, uh, she, my daddy, had provided so well that when she died, everything had been paid for. Even all of her time in the nursing home, we had no insurance for that. But we had the money to do it because they had gotten a long-term thing. And with the money we had, when she died, she still had $6,000. I just thought that was a sign that God is so good. Change doesn't de decrease you. It will increase you. God has changes ahead, but we've got to let go of what's behind. You cannot hang on to your past. It's over. Everybody say it's over. You know, um, in the, in the, actually in the Passion Bible, it says, uh, Jesus said, 
you say the old ways are better and you refuse to even taste the new ones that I bring. In the Amplified, it says that the old wine is just okay. It's fine. We don't need to do anything else. It's just, let's just leave it like it is. It's okay. Everybody say it's not okay. Because God takes us from glory to glory. The church has got to come up. And we've got to be willing to make the changes that we need to make. A lot of us that are older, we've made changes just because life made us make changes. But God has changes for our lives that are going to bring the glory of God into the world like we have never seen it before. Amen? I'm going to give you, if you want to go forward, here's ten things. Are you ready? Number one, this is in Matthew 6. This is the first thing God told me. Do not worry about your life. Don't take thought for your life is what it says in the, in the old King James. Everybody say, don't take thought. How often do we think about ourselves? Can't think about yourself and go forward. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added unto you. That's Matthew 6.33. The first one was Matthew 6.25. Do not worry about tomorrow. Take care of today, verse 34 of Matthew 6. The next one, be faithful in your giving, Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Where your heart is, that will be where your, where your treasure is, is where your heart will be. Your, your heart is tied to your money. And you may not think that's true, but it really is. That's why God says, give me the tithe, because I want your heart to be tied to me. And I need you to trust me in that area. Build your house on the rock, the word, Matthew 7, 24, 25. Luke, uh, John 16, 13 through 15, just a tip, if you hear somebody give scripture, write the numbers and then the book, because you'll forget the numbers, but you'll remember the book. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Luke 18, 1, pray without ceasing and do not lose heart. Philippians 3, 1 through 6, rejoice in the Lord, that's the... The first part of that scripture and it goes on in Philippians and Paul says I just count it all loss you know that are things that are gone behind me uh, you know to gain what's been put before me and then Philippians uh, 3 7 through 11 um, love Jesus more I'm sorry yeah that's right love Jesus more and then the last one um, that's Philippians 3 7 11 and 7 through 11 and then 10 is forget the past and press toward your future. Philippians 3, 12 through 14. I never saw this, but when I did see it, this is what it says in 12, Philippians 12, that I take hold of that for which Christ take, took hold of me. I take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. And I forget those things that are behind me, and I press on towards the goal, towards that goal, that future. Uh, yeah, I, I probably just raced you right through there, didn't I, Tracy? So sorry. I, I, I went a little long, but I just wanted, uh, uh, I'll get these for you if you want them. Everybody say 10 things I have to do to go forward. We have to go forward because the, the, the clocks are going to turn forward here. The end of the week, we're going into 2021. It's going to be January 1st, 2021. And no matter how much 
we like to think about last year. How many of you think it'd be better just to forget that one? Well, listen, good things happen. We're here in this room because of it. <laughs> Amen? God still works all things together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Amen? We have a great year ahead of us. I know Pastor Dan will have a good message for you on Wednesday night, so if any of you want to come on Wednesday nights, we're still at the Earl location on Wednesday nights, and uh, it's, it's an hour, about an hour and ten minutes. It's not a long time, but it is a teaching night of the truth of the Word of God, and how many of you know we all need that? We all need that, so I encourage you to come and be with us. Uh, love all of you. Let's stand, and I'm going to believe that anything that's been hanging on you is about to fall off. John, you want to come ahead to the keys? Father, I thank you today for the word of God. I thank you that we can all start over today. How many of you know that there's some things you need to start over? You kind of threw them down and then said, you know, enough. But you know God's saying, no, pick that thing back up. Pick that thing back up and let's start over. Maybe it's something new. How many of you believe you have something new that God's been speaking to you that you're just going to have to step out in? You can believe you're going you're gonna to accomplish it if it's what God said. Amen? Father, I pray today. I pray for those that are watching. Lord, I thank you that in this room, if there's anybody who doesn't know Jesus, who's, who isn't sure of where they're going to spend eternity, today's the day of salvation, the Bible says, and we don't want anybody leaving here without uh, a relationship, not a religion, but a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I pray today for those that may be watching uh, today on Facebook Live or maybe later on YouTube, if this, is, if this is a year that you have um, wanted to give up, I encourage you not to give up. First of all, receive Jesus if you don't know him, and then don't let go, and don't let go. We're going to make a, a confession of our faith here today, and if you've never received Jesus, you're in this room or you're watching, if you begin to, to meditate in your heart the truth of the word of God, it says if you believe in your heart, and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. You say, what will you save from? Everything that's of the world. Everything that the enemy has planned. You'll be delivered from those things. Let's all say this together today. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me. On purpose to deliver me from the work of the enemy. Forgive my sins, Lord. Lead me out from destruction, and lead me into the purpose for my life. I desire to be whole, complete, healed in every area of my life and delivered from every destructive force. And I believe that I can do that with you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus for never letting go of me in Jesus' name. Now, I do want to pray for you today. If there are things in your life that you know, um, I need to start over in this arena of my life. Maybe it's, maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's something you've thought, I don't think I can stop this. You can't, but with God you can. You can't by yourself, but with God you can. Maybe, maybe it's a relationship that you just said, I'm not even going to try anymore. I believe there's a lot of marriages in trouble, a lot of situations where people have given up on the person they're married to. But it's not time to give up. It's time to start over. Go back to the things that brought that relationship 
into existence in the first place. Meditate on those things. Speak those things. Believe those things. And, and whatever else it might be, but is there anybody here, um, and those of you that are watching, if that's you, I want you to lift your hand because I'm going to pray for you. I believe God's going to make some changes. In Jesus' name, he's going to make changes for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for those that have their hands lifted today. And I thank you, in Jesus' name, that those who want to start over, those who need a new start, they, they will find you in that position. They will, they will know what to do. They will have wisdom, just like Pastor Dan said. They will put the priorities in their life according to the word of God and not what they see and not what they feel. Lord, I ask you to remove voices from their lives that are telling them, you can't do that. You can't move that direction. You can't do that in Jesus' name. And I pray for those, especially those, because I had this word this morning. Sometimes the season has passed for what you thought you were going to do. And it isn't going to happen because that season's passed. You have to be willing to do the new thing that God has. You have to be willing to do the new thing and not have the regret. Could I see your hands if you have regret? You have regrets, yeah, in Jesus' name. I want to pray for you today because we're going to dump those off here this morning and leave them. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that those who have regrets, things that they think about, things that come to their mind that hinder them from going forward, I bind it in the name of Jesus. I take authority over it. You said that we're not to look back and we're not to regret and we're not to live in shame and we're not to live bound by any force or any weapon of the devil. And I bind it in the name of Jesus, and I loose your anointing and your power in the name of Jesus over their lives to walk free from those regrets and begin to see how with their words and with their prayer, they can build that thing back up again into a different thing. It won't be the same, but it will be better because you take them from glory to glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Turn to somebody beside you and say, I'm glad. Jesus lives in you, and he lives in me. <laughs> let's, let's say this together. I am, let's say it together, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing my labor is not in vain. Amen. Go and be blessed.